0: We, we are not people who like limits at all, especially um, in the world that we live in where everything's pretty convenient. Or maybe it's just me. Like, I don't like limits. Like, I don't like speed limits, right? I don't like uh, limits, uh, my, my uh, storage limits on my phone for my photos, right? Like, why am I running out of space for that? Some of you don't like ATM withdrawal limits. I don't have that problem. But some of you, that, that frustrates you. Do you know this week, or in, over the last week, that Instagram... Um, They used to limit you to like a 30-second upload of a video like your daughter's dance recital that, you know, the entire world wants to see. So now we can see it in its entirety, like minutes and minutes and minutes, because we don't like limitations. And when it comes to today's topic, when it comes to the topic of today, time is one of those things that demands that you and I realistically understand the limitations that it brings. And we're going to continue our playlist series in the book of Psalms, dealing with that head on over the next few moments. And it's going to challenge us to make some shifts, which is exactly the point. Before we jump fully in, let me welcome those of you that are watching online at one of our microsites maybe, or you're at our Southeast campus. We are so glad that... That through technology, we can do that. We've been having a lot of conversations about it because we believe that we, we don't want it to just be convenience that gets you to watch online. Some of you may be watching from the beach today. Good for you. We're bitter about it, all right, but... Um, we want you to be in the room at one of our campuses. We feel like the experience in the room is best where you're in community and all that, but we provide that conveniently for you to watch when that's not a choice that you can make on a particular day, and we're, we are so glad to be able to do that. Now, the fact is we are all it's seemingly always conscious of time, right? We're always asking this question, what time is it? Right? Now, some of you over the next little bit as I'm talking, are going to constantly be looking at your watch. That's frustrating to me, okay? Because we're, we're, we're normally like 60 minutes, give or take a few minutes, right? Some of you grew up in church like for two hours, right? But it doesn't matter how long we go or how short we go. We are just those type of people that we will always be checking the time, right? So just so you know, I have a timer right in front of me. It's really big because the people in the back are like, Lee, hurry up. And I have another timer out there. So they're like double so that I make sure that I stay on time because we're always asking the question, what time is it? As a culture, we're just time conscious. I mean, once in a while, we may get lost in a hobby or in a task that we're doing, and we might say, oh, dang, I lost track of time. But then we recover very, very quickly. But the problem is, what time is it is really not the right question that we should be asking. There's really a better question that we need to ask, and the question is, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my time. Because here's the problem with always checking to see what time it is, always being aware of how much time is going by. by. Uh, time is a constant r- reminder of a very depressing thing for most of it, for you and I. And the, and the depressing thing is this, your time is running out. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is awesome. You're like, Lee, can you go back to that sermon about sex from a couple weeks ago? We like that one better. All right? But here's the thing. We have calendars. We have calendars that, that flip through the years and the You realize it's July today. Like Christmas is coming. You think I'm lying. In like two weeks, Hobby Lobby will have trees and you'll be able to experience a winter wonderland, right? We look at our calendar and the months and the days go by and we wear watches or we look at our phone and it tells us hours and minutes. And this week, because of this message, I flipped the face of my Apple Watch to one of those ones that actually has a second hand. Some of you that are younger, you're like, what's a second hand? But where it actually ticks off the seconds. And that's a real depressing thing because really the second hand is just you watching your life just go away. Just boom, boom. Like second by second. Right? Because our time is running out. Right? And this is actually a biblical theme. Let's let's start, before we jump into Psalms, let's get a couple happy thoughts from a guy by the name of Job who had a pretty rough life. And he had something to say about the speed of life. Here's, Here's the first thing My days, Job says, are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. That's like a Hallmark card. He's not done, he's really frustrated. He says this My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy, all right? Now, as dark as we start, I promise you, the light will come, all right? Hang in there. You're already looking at your watch like, when's he done? It's interesting, though, how the perspective of those who feel like they have a lot of time differs radically from those who feel like they are on the brink of time running out. Now, you actually get to a point in your life, if you haven't already, when you quit thinking about how old you actually are and begin thinking about how much time you have left. I know it's getting darker. It's getting darker, right? But seriously, you, you remember when you are young, you, you, when you were growing up, you get to a point where instead of thinking about like, man, I'm almost 18, I get to get out, or I'm 21, or I'm, I'm 30, and I'm 40, right? You're thinking about those things. And then you, you reach one, I don't know when it is, but I'm probably there. A lot of you, if you would confess, you're there, where you suddenly wake up one day and you look backwards, and you've covered a lot more ground than what you can look forward into the future and see. It feels like this time is a little bit shorter than where I've been. And that's a perspective that some of us are dealing with today. And it gives us a sense of urgency sometimes. We're tempted to see that and go, man, i got to get some stuff done. My point is time just keeps ticking by. And if so, a better focus is definitely this question. Not what time is it, but what am I doing with my time? And with that perspective, we get some real help today from our psalm. And we're going to read from Psalm 90. So if you have your app, you can go there. If you have your Bible you brought with me or some other means, Psalm 90. And though we think of the psalms as generally be, being written, and they mostly are, by David, this psalm is actually written by a guy you've probably heard of, Moses. Right, A, a big part of, of the foundation of the Old Testament and the story of the Israelites is based on Moses. And Moses actually wrote this psalm, and he has a lot to say when we are talking about time. Now Moses, as background, was a Hebrew, but he was taken as a baby by Pharaoh's daughter in Egypt, and he grew up as an Egyptian. He learned to walk like an Egyptian, talk (laughs) like an Egyptian, he really did. But one day in his late teens, he realized he actually wasn't an Egyptian, that he was a Hebrew. And the Hebrew people were slaves to the Egyptian people. And he looked at how the Egyptians were treating his people. And, and, it, and finally, he just got so frustrated and angry that he killed one of the Egyptians. He took one of them out. He thought it was a strategy to begin to liberate his people, but it didn't work out that way. And he became a fugitive. He went from the prince of Egypt to a fugitive to a shepherd. And he would spend the next 40 years of his time, of his time, the prime seemingly years of his life doing absolutely nothing. Every day was the same. He didn't even need a watch. The sun would come up. He would go out and watch the sheep. The sun would start to go down. He would bring the sheep in and go to sleep. Some would come up, he would go watch the sheep. Sheep, sleep. There's probably some correlation there. When you count sheep as you sleep, maybe Moses started that. So he's watching the sheep, and he's sleeping, and that's all he's doing. And he is, And some of you, maybe that's the way you feel a little bit. There are days where you know you wake up in the morning, and you go through the grind of another day, and it doesn't seem like anything that interesting happens. And you go to sleep, and you wake up the next day, and you can't even tell one day from the other. That would have been Moses, not just for a period of time, but for 40 years. Sheep, sleep, sheep, sleep. And he may have assumed that he had no significance, he had no purpose, that his time on this earth didn't matter. No God, no nothing. But after 40 years, if you're familiar with the story, God shows up and says, The time is right. My timing is now right, and I actually have a plan and a purpose. And Moses steps out of obscurity. He confronts Pharaoh. You've read it or you've watched the movie, and he leads his people out of bondage, and he becomes pretty much a household name. So with that as a backdrop, Moses has an incredible perspective on time and our place in that time. And so we begin in Psalms 90, verse 1. It says the following, Lord... Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Okay, So God, you are the foundation. You are where we live. You are the, you are the one constant through all things. This is important for us to understand context early because we're going to circle back to it. It says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This gives us context right away. We understand our bookends of life, right? Like We're born and we die. But God doesn't have those from everlasting to everlasting. If we could look backwards as far, as far and far and far, there's where God begins. And we can look forward beyond our lives as far, as far, as far. Moses says, God is from everlasting to everlasting. That is the context. God is in the middle of everything. Anything that happens, everything that happens, both to us and in front of us and around us and in this world, it came was brought forth from God. This is an important context, because then he says this in verse three. He says, you turn people, it's us, back to dust, saying like Gandalf would say in Lord of the Rings, return to dust, you mortals. It's important you read that with the voice. Return to dust, you mortals. Moses is saying no matter how much you've accomplished, how famous you think you are, how important you are, how many followers you you have, at the end of it all, we all have the same destination, and it's dust. It's dust. And then he gives us a sense of time, our time compared to God's time. He says this, a 1,000 years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. A thousand years is like a day. So think back. Do you know what happened in the year 1018? That's a thousand years ago. I looked it up this week, right? A Viking explorer, Leif Erikson, discovered or landed in North America for the first time, okay? That's a long time ago, right? But to God, it's just like one day. God's like, eh, yeah, that just happened yesterday. Or it says, it's like a watch in the night, Because that was a a term that they would use, especially soldiers, where they would divvy up the night into usually three-hour watches. And they would each take a watch, and then they would make sure that someone fresh always came on. So what he's saying is, it's like a watch in the night. A thousand years just goes by like that. So if you calculate however many years you've lived, don't do the math. It's discouraging. How (laughs) How does that rank with a thousand years being a day to God? All right? It moves by pretty quickly, but hang in there. It's just a starting point. Next verse, verse five, it says this Yet you sweep people away, because God is God. He sweeps them away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening, it is dry and withered. Now, we ought to get this living in Vegas in July. I don't know if you, if you do like that. Sometimes I'll get up pretty early, right, when the sun comes up, and I'll open my back door and I'll look out. And if my sprinklers just got done sprinkling the grass, if you have grass, it, it almost feels cool. It's like 90 degrees, but it feels cool, right? And you look at the grass, and it's kind of wet, and the moisture's there, and you're like, God, ah, it feels like fall. And then you go about your day, and if you come back around 530, and you open the door and you look out, and it just looks like a wasteland, right? It's hot, the grass it looks like it's died while you've been gone. So we understand that, how time quickly moves, and how God, you know, our lives, they spring up, we have something to do, we have significance, God's put us in place, but then it goes away extremely fast. Now, God's point and Moses' point is not actually that depressing. Okay, let's not get depressed or discouraged, it's just accurate. And his point isn't that your life doesn't matter. So just do whatever you want. His point about time is the following. First of all, we have no control over the amount of time we are given. Okay, he's, he's making the point that God is what? From everlasting to everlasting. So God is the timekeeper. He gets to keep track of the time we don't get to. But the only thing we get to do is we only control what we do with what we are given. Which makes the better question, again, definitely this one. What am I doing with my time? Whatever time I'm given. Now I want to do a little illustration over here, so follow me. Maybe some of you have seen this before, but that's okay. Because Tim Coop, who was just one of my great mentors, he used to always tell us, he'd say, most people don't need to learn anything new, they just need to remember what they already know. So if you've seen this before, it obviously hasn't stuck, so watch again, okay? Okay? The point is, is this jar over here represents a certain amount of time. It represents maybe a day, could be for you a week, a month, a year. It doesn't matter, whatever amount of time. But what's important to note is that it's, it's limited, It has only a certain amount of capacity that it can handle and things that you can do in that amount of time. So whatever that time frame is, for all of us, we fill that time. And so I've got some blue rocks. No significance in the blue rocks. Don't worry about that part. But we begin to fill whatever time we're given. And a lot of the things we do are like these little blue rocks. They're, they're, they're great. I mean, they're, they add spice and flavor, and they're a bonus to our life, but they're really what we would call non-essential things. Like for some of us, I could pour half of this in here, it's like the time you spend on Facebook. It's like, oh, there we go, right? Or you're, you're binge-watching Netflix, or you're playing that extra round of golf, and you're doing all those things. And it's just, again, these aren't bad things, but they take up time. And they fill up whatever limited amount of time we have. That's not enough. Some of you, you're like, I got, my, team, I got my, t- my kid in every club sport all over the valley. So you're like running around all night long, like making sure that they're going to be on the World Cup team or something someday. So there you go. Right? Good luck with that. So we, so we fill it up with all these things. Now. These are the non-essential things, and then I trust in all of our lives we have more essential items, more important items. They're represented by these larger rocks. They're they're the important things. So for you, you might have a career. It's your job. It's it's how you earn a living. And so you have to add that in among all the other things. Maybe you've got some exercise. I see some of you at the gym, like you're trying to extend your life a little bit. And so you're there, you know, priming in the mirror and doing all those things that you do. And then and then maybe there's even some leisure. So you go out to eat. You go on a date. You do whatever. Do those things. Maybe you're a student. So you're going to school. So you have time where you have to go to class or you have to carve out time for for you to do homework or to study for tests or do those things, right? Um, maybe, maybe you're married. That's cool. So it would be good to add that in there a little bit. right? And then after you've been married a while, you probably have kids. So you have one kid. You have a, a second kid. and Then, uh-oh, third kid. Didn't plan that one. So just put that in there right there. like Third kid. And we haven't even added the big fellow. We haven't even added God in. we got this big rock because this is our spiritual life. These are the priorities around where God should be in our life. And so we kind of add that up, and it's, it's there. And it's, it's, it, you can kind of say, yeah, I fit it all in. Which Some of you say, how'd your week go? Well, I fit everything in. I survived. But in reality, there is zero margin. There is zero room for anything else in your life. And, there, and I know how some of us live. There is zero room for anything to not go as planned. Anything goes sideways, if anything goes out of the ordinary, we can't do it. We don't have enough time, not enough. And here's the thing we have to understand. None of us, God is from what? Everlasting, everlasting. None of us can expand this. You can't can't get more time. Time is, is, is what it is. And here's point number one, is our priorities determine our capacity. We don't get to choose the capacity. Our priorities determine our capacity, what we can do. And so it seems like a better plan would be to take things like our relationship with God and begin with those things within the capacity that we have. And to take our spouse, put in there our three kids, all three of them. We add those back in. We put those in. We spend time. We get our schooling in there, right? We get... Our leisure, we can do that, we get our activities, we go exercise at LVAC, and we, we put our job and our career in there, and that 's awesome, and we have capacity to do those things and then our priorities, because they determine our capacity, then allows us to look at our lives, the limited amount of span that God has given us we can 't control, we can only control what we do at that time, and we take the things that are spicy and bonus and extra and are fun, and we need to do them, and we add them in on top of the priorities because that 's the way we should be living our lives so that what God's purpose for us goes in first. The things that are priority, the things that, that, we can, that we can really see as significant, that actually are a part of God's plan. And the cool thing is when we add all those extra things, then we actually have more time than we think, right? So we're like, ooh, yeah, I know, I know. Right? But don't clap because you're not paying attention, right? Don't clap. Let's do something, right? Let's look at what the realities of this is, because the important question is, if God is everlasting to everlasting and we are not, then we have to decide and commit what is going to be the priorities of our life and where we are going to begin those things. And if we do that, it doesn't mean our life's going to be lame. It means our life is going to be under control. It means we actually have a spot where we can do the purpose that God has. You might have looked at those folks up here earlier and got, man. Someday I'd love to carve out the time to go to Taiwan. Carve it out already, right? Carve it out already. Make it a priority. You're you're never going to get more time. It's just an understanding of what has God invited you to be a part of. What does God want you to do? Because here's the thing. Our priority determines our capacity. So what are you going to prioritize? What big rocks are you going to put in first? I can suggest what they should be, but you know what they should be. You know what they should be. Why don't we go hardcore on the things that are non-negotiable? There are people in the world who have no concept of God, pay no attention to God, who organize their lives better than those of us who are followers of Christ. And that shouldn't be. We should be able to follow Christ and then have an understanding of what God's priorities would be for our lives. So begin to ask the important question today. And this is not just philosophical. I want you to ask it right now. What are the most important things to you? Who are the most important people to you? And how do you prioritize those individuals? And how is the answer to that question reflected in how we are spending our limited amount of time? What would it look like in your days, your weeks, your months, your years, the season of life that you're in, To prioritize correctly and to put those things and those people ahead of all the other things. What would that look like for you? Because when you ask that question, you also have to ask this one. What would have to change? What would you have to add to your life? And then even the harder one for most of us, what would you have to subtract from your life in order for this to be true? in order for you to live out God's plan for your priorities within the capacity that he's given us. Priorities are determined by our capacity, determine our capacity every single time, right? I want you to ponder that. Here's number two. Even with the greatest strategy, and even that, that's just even part of the issue, because Moses is now going to make sure that we don't miss the biggest priority of all, And what we need to do with the limited capacity of time that we have. We could call it the largest rock of all. Because Moses is saying, even if we get our priorities in order, which is a good thing. Even if we have time managed the best that we can, which is a good thing. Life is still futile. Life is still like a withering grass if you miss the bigger point. Here's what he says in verse number 10 in Psalms 9. He says this, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. In other words, he's like, life is hard. Moses experienced that. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass, and we fly away. Yeah, Moses, we got it. If only we knew, however, this is, this is important. If only we knew the power of your anger. If only we knew how powerful you were, God. If only we knew how strongly you felt about certain things. Your wrath, this is kind of Dr. Seussical a little bit here, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Huh? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Here's what Moses is saying. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. If you could somehow see God, how he is, strength, passionate, with a plan and a purpose, if you could somehow see that in all his glory, how huge he is, you would give him Substitute the word fear, reverence. You would give him the reverence that is your due. And you would do that around how you prioritize and live your life. If we understood that God is from everlasting, everlasting. Not if we understood it, but if we actually believed it and actually moved our life in those directions, it would change everything. Let me summarize what Moses' psalm has said at this point. Life has a point and you are not it. If you miss the whole psalm, just write this down or take a picture of it. Life has a point. Some of you are like what? Right? Some of you are like what? But listen, our context determines our understanding of context determines our perspective. Our context determines our perspective. We understand where we fit. Where we are in context with God then it allows us to have a perspective on what we should be doing, what our priorities should be, and how how do we align ourselves with what this God, who we should reverence and fear and pay attention to, is up to? How do we do that? I mean, as we look around, come on, guys, we see a pretty similar pattern. It may be a little different in some cultures, but in the cultures we live, here's how the game of life plays out. Like, you're born, right? congratulations. You all got born, right? You learn basic things, right? How to eat and feed yourself and dress yourself. And then they send you off to school and you learn things, how to read, and one plus one equals two. And then you get out of elementary school and you go to that dark place called middle school, And if you survive middle school, then you go to high school and you kind of start becoming independent, right? And when you're in high school, if you're in high school in here, you think the world revolves around you, right? If you're in high school, you think you're a big man on campus and all that stuff. And then you graduate and you walk out of the Thomas and Mac or you walk out of the Orleans and you realize the world doesn't know who you are and does not care and you are not a big man or woman anymore. So then you have to decide and you go, maybe I'm going to go to college, and some people don't go to college, just get a job, and so they start working, and the boys that go to college, they get an education, and then they have to get a job, and so now we're catching up we're getting a job, and maybe we're single. We decide we're going to be single, and so we're single, or maybe we get married. some of us, unfortunately, we get married a second time or a third time. And then we have kids, right, and our kids, they start going through the same pattern, so now we're doing that, and then our kids grow up and they leave, and we're working our job, and then we retire. Maybe we play a little golf and then we get sick and we die. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but with some slight variations, we're kind of all in that same pattern, aren't we? Right? So here's the thing. If that's that's the pattern then what's our, what should our perspective be? That shouldn't necessarily depress us or discourage us. That should say, okay, great. I've got this amount of time. I can't change that. So what am I going to do to get in alignment with what God is up to because he is the point and I am not? Some of you have been around people who think they're the point. Don't look next to you. I saw that. Don't, all All right. But some of you have. You've been married to that individual who thinks they are the point. You've worked for that individual that you think they think there is the point. You've voted for individuals who think they're the point. And then you go, oh, what did I do? Right? Because in, in, in our world, history even tells us. When people think they are the point, we, we teach our kids that. Like, we, we look at that and we go, man, if, we think the, you are the, if you think you're the center of the universe, if you think you're the point, there's something in us that just says, That's not right, right? And we watch corporations who get a leader who who they think they're the point and they blow that corporation up. We watch churches who get leaders who think they're the point and they blow churches up and people up. We see politicians and dictators who think they're the point and they blow people up. And history always looks poorly, two thumbs down, on people and individuals who forget that God is from everlasting to everlasting and we have this brief amount of time and in that amount of time, our job is to align ourselves, not be sad that we have a brief amount of time, but be grateful for the time we have and to say, what is it significant that God would have for me to do? in the middle of that what would God have for me to do because Moses he brings it all together and this is a guy who could have thought he was the point right he, somebody came up to me at first service and it was brilliant I'm like oh I'm going to add that in because here's the deal they said listen I always got frustrated when Moses got to the promised land and God let him look over and then said you're done remember that if you, if you follow the story, it's like Moses led these people all the way to the promised land. Like, that's the goal. And then he got to the goal, and God said, guess what? You're not going to get to experience that. You're going to die here. You're going to get to look at it, but you're not going to get to go in. I always said, come on. Some of you were like, God, that ain't cool. But somebody came up to me, they said, you know what? I think that's God reminding Moses you're not the point. That this was not about you the entire time. So Moses got it. He says in verse 12, and this is one we need to commit to memory. He says this. So in the middle of that perspective, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. In light of your glory, in light of your awesomeness, your plans, your purpose, more than we can grasp, teach us to live as if our days are numbered. Even though we don't know how long we have, we don't know what that number is, we need to live that way, like our days are numbered. You've numbered your days for things. If you've been a bride or you've been around a bride, right? Brides, if you say, when are you getting married? You don't think they've numbered their days? Right? They can tell you days, hours, seconds from when that ceremony is going to happen. Right? Or if you have a big thing like an exam, you have a test that you're going to take, you need to study and prep, you're going to number your days. You're going to plan. You're going to count it out. You're going to go, I've got this many days. That's what Moses is talking about. Teach us to number our days, to take it serious. Even though we don't know how many we have, we should number them. Why? Because if we number our days, then it says we will gain a heart of wisdom. Guys, this is big. That if we live, like the song said, like the world's going to end, if we live like our lives could end, that every day, every hour, every moment is a gift, then we number our days. Then it will help us gain a heart of wisdom. Here's what this means. It will mean that we will make better, purposeful, God-based decisions. That we won't waste our time. That we will make better decisions about our finances. That we will make better decisions about our parenting. That we will make better decisions professionally because we have learned how to number our days and we take it seriously. And so we make decisions in that way. Moses, man, he had to spend... 40 years in the wilderness to flush that out of himself. All that arrogance to figure out he wasn't the point. God was the point. Here's the context. My perspective is I need to live like my days are numbered. I'm going to make decisions based on that. Wise decisions. Because when you do that, then you'll have a God-inspired purpose that will begin to emerge like it never has before in your life. Here's my last point. Look at your watch right now. We're good. All right? Last point. Our purpose, God, God-inspired purpose, is determined by a paradox. Okay, this has messed me up this week, so I want you to track with me on this. Here's what, here's what a paradox is, because our Christian faith is actually largely based around so many things that would be labeled a paradox. here's what a paradox is by definition, a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. It means rationally that doesn't make sense, but it actually ends up being true. In other words, in Scripture, we have paradox all over the place, right? The cross itself is a bit of a paradox, right? Think about this Scripture. If you want to gain your life, you have to lose your life. doesn't make any sense, The last shall be first, and the first will be last. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' greatest teaching, was filled with paradox, things that people just looked at him and said, What? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And when it comes to numbering our days and figuring out what our purpose is, there's a paradox that I want to explain to you, and it begins with the practice of selah, which is a Hebrew word we find sprinkled through the Psalms. And here's what selah means, not in the Hebrew, but in the English. It means this. Shut up. Slow down. Pay attention. So if you read the Psalms during this playlist series, you will see sprinkled throughout all of them, these words selah. And it's a a bit of a musical term. It was basically saying, we're going to pause right now, and we're going to reflect on what we just done. We're going to kind of... Take a deep breath. And we're going to look forward to what we're going to do next musically. We're going to to prepare for that. And these breathers are really important in order for them to get to the next spot. But here's the thing. The practice of Selah is a paradox a bit. Because if I tell you your capacity is limited, if I tell you you've only got so much time, most of us, our reaction is going to be to do what? we got to fill that time up. Right? we got to do more. We've got to go faster. We've got to take advantage. If my days are short, man, I'm going to get everything, I'm going to wring everything out of them that I possibly can. And God says no. God says the best way for you to number your days is to stop regularly. Pay attention always. Listen up. Listen to me. Don't try to move faster. Take time to slow. And pause, number your days, because then you will have a heart of wisdom that will tell you how to move forward. You'll reflect on where you've been. You'll reflect on where you're going. Selah. Man, what would that look like if that became a practice for us? What would that look like for you and I? Jesus modeled it. People we respect and admire model it. Moses modeled it. He was in the the wilderness 40 40 years, sheep sleep, sheep sleep. And the story goes that suddenly there's a bush that's on fire for no reason except that God was in the middle of it and fortunately Moses took the time in the middle of his mundane life to stop shut up pay attention say law and it transformed the entire direction of his life man we're so fast guys we're moving so quickly what would it look like for us to actually put our phones down I'm terrible at this put our phones down from you know what our phones have a power button I didn't know that Like some of us, our phone got turned on at the store and we haven't turned it off in like three years. Like, wow, didn't know that. Like you could shut it off. When we take people on mission trips and they lose their phone service, it's like two days of like detox. They're like, I don't know what to do. What's the Wi-Fi? I need the Wi-Fi. Give me a Wi-Fi code right now. I don't know what's happening. Say la. Say la. What would that look like for us as a church and as individuals to live our lives as if we're not the point because we're not and to get in the middle of the grander narrative that God is telling. If we didn't just go oh that's a cute little thing and yeah that's great let's move on I'm in a hurry I got to get to lunch but we said listen I'm going to have a conversation with my family today. I'm going to have a conversation with my kids today. I'm going to apologize today. I'm going to make some phone calls today. I'm going to send some texts today. I'm going to look at my calendar this afternoon and I'm going to start rearranging what my week looks like and what the rest of my summer looks like and what the rest of my year looks like. And guess what? If you start with everything you have to do and then try to cram the margin and the law in, it's not going to happen. you got to start with the law, and then go, okay, now what can I do? What does God want me to do? And when we do that, we will live in a way and from a perspective. It teaches us, yes, our days are numbered, but we will gain a heart of wisdom. You need to convert, you need to commit this verse to memory. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Some of you need to take a screenshot of that. You need to highlight it in your, your Bible app. Because if you, if, if, if you remember that, it'll change the trajectory of your life, however long, however short the days may be. That God gives us. Let's pray together. Father, we just pray right now in this place and in this moment that you would do a radical thing in our hearts beyond just what's going on in our heads. God, that we would get both, both spiritual and practical right now. God, that those who have been challenging, those that have maybe even moved to a place of uncomfortableness or maybe conviction, God, that you would just go, go deeper, go deeper. God, we pray that the purpose and the perspective of our life would, be, would move back into a clearer place. And God, that we would strategically and spiritually find a way to begin to live in a way that reflects your greatness and our part in that, our small part in that. God, I pray today that that would be the case in this room and in this church and in families and students and singles and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas throughout this room watching online. We pray that in your name. Amen.